Hey, everybody. I'm Peter, and you don't know what I have become. He doesn't go for crazy anymore. It's Mike. Oh, nice one. <laughs> Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast that explores the Star Wars expanded universe through an episode-by-episode deep dive into the animated series Star Wars Rebels. Our guest today is very exciting. A friend of the show, I think it's fair to say, returning guest and host of the new Keep Calm and Game On podcast. It's Crystal Beth. How's it going? I'm good. Yes, I'm 100% a friend of your podcast. Nice. I like all of your Instagram photos. I don't even do that for most of my friends. I know. It's so sweet. (laughs) We did it. (laughs) So I have to ask you, so you you broke off from Unlimited Lives and started your new video game podcast. Mm -hmm. So like Blood Feud, did someone's ego get too big? It was 100% a Blood Feud. Uh, (laughs) Classic podcast. There was a battle... Uh, we actually murdered TJ Del Reno. Uh, he's going to keep doing unlimited lives from the spirit world. Sick. Uh, <laughs> no, we, uh, we wanted to, uh, have a tighter, more structured podcast and he didn't. So mm-hmm. he's keeping with unlimited lives and we get to go do, uh, way more work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I checked out the first episode and I really liked it. Um, thank you. I think it's kind of perfect for me because I'm like. I get really into video games two or three times a year. So yes. it's kind of broad, a lot of industry stuff, which I found really interesting. So I'm yeah. a fan. You've you- got some, John and Carlo are super smart and I just, I like things. So <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm just there to be like, I like this. This is fun. <laughs> well, you know what? It's nice to like things and that's a little more rare than I would like right now. So I know. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Um, So, should we just jump into this? Mike, are you ready? I'm ready. Crystal, are you ready? I'm super ready. From IMDb, Kanan, Ezra, and Ahsoka return to the Jedi Temple on Lothal to find out how the Inquisitors have continually been able to track the Rebels. We are talking about Season 2, Episode 18, Shroud of Darkness. This is a good one. Yeah, this is a good one. It starts off, I've I've been noticing lately, um, I bring up watching it with my wife a lot, um, because I like it. She she did find this one spooky, so... It's crossed that that. bar. (laughs) I love how sensitive she is to that. That's my favorite. I know. Right off the bat. And then she always asks like, wait, is this like the beginning of the episode? Because they've been jumping into the middle of action a lot and just kind of throwing you in and being like, all right, figure out where you are, which I think is actually a kind of cool touch. And that's what what happened right here. You just jump in. We're on the mountainous world of Ocelon. um, Mm -hmm. And... Kanan and Ezra are fighting the Inquisitors. Yeah, I think this is actually one of my favorite cold opens of uh, mm-hmm. any Rebels episode. Um, like you said, right in in Medius Race, right? The uh, literary term. There. Mm. Jumping right in the middle Fancy. of action. And what's funny is I thought this was totally going to be like a, a three hours earlier episode like they're gonna tell us how they got here and i love that it doesn't happen it just right away but question for both of you the first shot we see 
is is it supposed to be symbolic that there are three owls like flying overhead and then it like pans Were those down? owls? I don't know. I couldn't really tell. Are those I thought those, I thought those are the 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 TBDs. Yeah, oh, those are what those are. You're so totally right. It was kind of a um, foreshadowing. foreshadowing of what's going to happen. Totally. Yeah, oh. that's what I thought too. Okay, not owls. Yep. Those oh. horny, horny tibbities. <sighs> wow, the first thing you said was wrong. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you had to say it twice too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's weird enough once. That's funny. That's uh, actually one of my favorite parts of this episode <laughs> is because that's I mean, that's what is so awesome about Star Wars Rebels is how much attention they pay to the little tiny details mm-hmm. and having those three fly over them. And then that's probably when Ezra was like, oh, OK, I can feel the animals. Yeah. So yeah. then he was like, let me ask if they want to help. Totally. This is um, this is so Lord of the Rings. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I was again, I was watching with my wife and she was just like, I love the animal connections and all the things. And she's watched Rebels Recon with me. And I was like, yeah, you know, Dave Filoni's kind of a total wolf shirt guy. And she goes, yeah, I know. I've seen that hat. <laughs> so, he just I love that part about Dave Filoni like he I think he's really embracing that spirit that George Lucas was going for for a while about, you know, nature versus imperialism and technology and stuff like that and he's yeah. really tied that into in a cool way i love that yeah he pretty much reminds me of everyone in the town i live in because <laughs> we're so close to big sir <laughs> yeah everyone totally like having a transcendental experience over here i love, I love that about <laughs> Dave um yeah do you, do you know what's interesting kind of jumping into the fight here is that they are noticeably better fighters because yeah. they don't have to pay attention. They're having like a full-on conversation in the middle of this saber fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're doing pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. And this is one of the first episodes where you see them actually working together. Mm-hmm. When they have like their yeah. own code when they're like, cross! And they immediately know what, like, they've just been together long enough that they've started training and they've got their own little moves and yeah. skills. And that part, that's awesome. <laughs> Just to see people grow. Yeah. Speaking of that move, that cross move, they yell cross and do like this move, which I'm going to say to me was underwhelming. I mean, it's a cool move, <laughs> but I don't know if it was worth naming. It, just a move worth naming. <laughs> it was literally just them crossing. You think that they would have sensed that they wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did like his like catapult Ezra flippy thing that he did. That yes. was pretty tight. It was very figure skating-esque. Yeah, that was... Oh, good call. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also love this planet. I don't I don't know if yeah. you have any thoughts about it, but just this setting is so cool. It's cool. It's yeah. very dark. It's interesting to me that they would want to put a base here, a secret base. Yeah. I'm like, oh, but it's so dark. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally right. It is Mordor, though. Oh, yeah. yeah, totally. I do love that. Yeah. Um. So as we kind of alluded to earlier, they Ezra is hanging off the edge of a cliff and he's like, one second, I'm working on something. And then they get away by jumping off the cliff and they get swooped up by a couple horned up tibbities. Whoa, you missed you missed the the weirdest line of the. Episode oh, yeah, totally. I even mentioned that it. You said as the seventh sister is battling Kanan, she says to him, <laughs> she comments on how handsome he is and he says, 
I don't go for crazy. And then looks around and goes, anymore. Such a handsome face. I don't go for crazy anymore. That's all right. I prefer brains. <laughs> There's so many things I need to address here. First of all, did they used to date? That's what I, that's my, I was like, what is happening here? So, yeah. And also, let's destigmatize mental health. Um, I don't know. Go for yeah. crazy. Come on. Let's separate those two. Um, I don't know. Ugh. It was just so weird. And then she puts a robot on his head and she <laughs> says, I prefer brains, which I, I thought was spooky and kind of a good line, actually. Yeah. Made me feel right? like she wanted to eat his brains. I know. I was expecting the um, the droid to like carve off the top of his <laughs> oh, skull. Yeah. That would have been so totally. brutal. Start throwing brains everywhere while she <laughs>, laughs with her arms in the air. Oh, my God. Maniacally. <laughs> I would love that so much. Um. So well, I took that too. I was wondering the only other person we know he's been in a relationship was Hera. So is he like calling Hera crazy? I don't know. I just don't know. That's why they initially broke up. Like, oh my gosh, I just can't handle her. Yeah. I wonder, I'm like, did he pick her up at an insane asylum? Is she really a pilot or is this all her own weird, crazy dream? Yeah. I do just like that it passed through because so many people have to approve probably all the lines in this episode. <laughs> Seriously. And I just like that so many people approve that. Like, yep, like it. Yep, like it. Keep it in. Totally. Um, yeah, that was weird for me. I don't think I like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're falling off the cliff. Ezra summons some Tibbities. Um, We've seen them before. I forgot what the episode is, but they are attracted to the Phantom. So evidently, he ha- he's using them. He has them wrapped around like his finger. Yeah. yeah. And they fly away on the back of these Tibbities. Um, and as we mentioned, these were named because they didn't have a name. So they <laughs> called them TBD. And then that's why they're called that now, <laughs> which is dumb. Yep. Little is, it, is it dumber than naming a planet after the, your taco bar that you're having? <laughs> no, because I support that 100% okay. to Cabo. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so they escape and they get into the Phantom and they are in hyperspace and they are debriefing Ezra and Kanan talk about how the two Inquisitors pose a danger to the survival of the Rebellion. And I think Kanan is a little bit worried that he is attracting the Inquisitors to his friends. So as long as they stay with the Rebellion, the Rebels are in danger. I'm endangering the mission I shouldn't have come. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that's exact, the exact vibes I think they're going for. And I really like that. That's, yeah. Like, yeah, that's kind me of too. a cool touch that I love in uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I think I said this before, hyperspace is the coziest place to me <laughs> something about like it's something about the aesthetics of like outside being unreachable by others it's like space camping like my cell phone's off you can't reach me I love it. yeah it's, it does look cozy even with just the blue yeah. yeah i've mentioned this before mike's made fun of it before but i basically work in disneyland not really but like just our office is ridiculous and we have this room that you can take naps in and it has a big LCD screen that shows like peaceful scenes. What? Um, I know it's crazy, but 
I want to petition someone to get like the hyperspace blue streaking across those LED screens and then it'll just like put me to sleep. That would be awesome. So crazy. If someone comes in and you're like, you're not supposed to be able to find me here. (laughs) (laughs) How do you track me? (laughs) You need the master code breaker. (laughs) Um, So they are talking. They ask Hera and the rest of the crew to meet them in deep space without the rest of Phoenix cell, because again, Kanan is worried about his friends. So they are not meeting at the base. And when they meet up Hera and Kanan kind of debrief and talk about what's happening. And then Hera says, she is waiting. And that is when Ezra finds Ahsoka Tano in Kanan's cabin and where she is watching a hologram of Anakin Skywalker, who is teaching lightsaber combat. In motion, one into the next, into the next, and so on. I've made some adjustments to the classic Form 4 techniques that I think you'll find work well against droids and other ranged attackers. Here, I'll show you. One. He's amazing. Three. I've watched these recordings to help me with my own saber training. Five. You should have seen him in person. Again. Anakin Skywalker. Two. He was my master. So sad. Yeah. Yeah. So sad. That's how I found her. I know. And I like that. Like, it's just video of like a lecture, like a college professor. And he's yeah. like, I made improvements to the classic form four. Blah, blah, blah. It's <laughs> like, it's so like mundane, boring Jedi stuff that you never see, but I really like it. Yeah. Well, this is basically the scene where Dumbledore walks in and sees Harry staring into the mirror, mirror looking at his family. Oh, oh the gosh. mirror of Arisen. Yeah. You're like, you're like oh, that's sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some really uh, behind the scenes stuff. Um, so he's wearing like a new never before seen training tunic. Yeah. That's what they branded it as, um, which first of all, Dope Jedi branding. I like yeah. just put the Jedi logo like right up front, like Huge a big tap out shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but the reason they did that was because like a flowing Jedi tunic would have stretched the budget too much for the episode. So they couldn't animate like the flowing robes. And the really? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. It's so weird how these little mundane things cost so much money and you probably never think about it twice. Wow, I'd love to know how much that would have costed. I know. Yeah. Um, and a I, digital I, robe costs more than an actual robe. Isn't that crazy? That's <laughs> I mean, that crazy. <laughs> you really know. blew my mind, man. <laughs> nice. It is a bomb outfit, though. I would wear that. Yeah, totally. I love the the popped collar. Yeah, I don't know. He's it totally like-, like a Jedi, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. It kind of looks like if this is like Knights of the Old Republic, like that's the that's like the uh, the outfit you start with, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <to> upgrade that <laughs> before you upgrade to the digital cape. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so they're talking about him, and Ezra says Kanan told him that Anakin was the greatest warrior in the Jedi Order during the Clone Wars, and that Ezra has been studying the holocron recordings in court in order to become a better duelist. Um, a better doula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this has been a big mistake this whole time. He's like, oh, he I just comes I was- walking out of thing. He's going, boom, boom, <laughs> 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 I 
also like to think that this implies that these were these are Kanan's recordings that Ezra has been using. And so like Ahsoka was just waiting in, in Kanan's cabin and was just like poking around, like going through his medicine cabinet and be like, oh, what's this? It's also then, weird to me when what? Hera was like, she's in your room. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh. totally. I'm like, you don't know. I mean, I'm not He's a like, Jedi, crazy. but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get out of my bedroom. Like, if I invited a friend over and they were guy home ahead of me, yeah. and they were in my bedroom, <laughs> I'd be like, there's, we have so many couches. Yeah. You could literally sit anywhere. Go to the yeah. arc table. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that's how you get discovered as Spider Man by your best friend. Yep. Oh, building the Death Star. <laughs> um, so Ahsoka agrees about Anakin, says that he rarely lost a battle and was a kind Jedi who cares about his friends and always looked out for them. Ezra wondered what happened to him, but she does not know for sure. She explains that the last time that she saw him was when he rushed off to rescue Supreme Chancellor Palpatine. But... Oh, no, actually, that is true. I was trying to think because they made a point in Rebels Recon that Ahsoka meets up with Anakin again during the Siege of Mandalore. But that would be before Revenge of the Sith, correct? So this Hmm. is true. Why does remembering someone who's gone um, ignoble, like, make them a better person? Gonna get deep here. Anakin, that is deep. Like... Retrospect um, doesn't make them a saint. Yeah. You know he was a little bit of a, a b-hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, you forget about the bad stuff, just like you said. You're like, oh, well, yeah, they were great. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. yeah, but they did meet me in my bedroom and just sit there while I was <laughs> gone, which is just weird. Yeah. I think that's too deep for me to think about on a Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday morning. Rain. <laughs> Sorry. Hell yeah. <No>. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I do actually like, I think it's an interesting, I am glad that she called it out because when she said that it stuck out to me, like he was a kind friend and all but I'm like, was he? Yeah. But it, maybe well, it was I mean, the Obi-Wan line. We're yeah. From, oh, from a certain, hope, yeah. Right? From a certain point of view. Yeah. Um, Cunning warrior. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But maybe it's because we're shaded by the Darth Vader thing. Like, we know what happened to him. So it's hard for us to remember the kind Anakin. Uh, He's always angsty. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, maybe I'm just trying to give him some credit. Um, So there are a ton of guest stars in this episode, which is cool. And this is the first one, Matt Lanter, who voiced Anakin in the Clone Wars. Um, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So they brought him and Ahsoka... Um, Ashley Eckstein to back together recorded with each other, which was a cool little reunion oh. moment for them. That's awesome. Yeah. And I also, I want to point out, I like that it's kind of jarring because the character model looks different than what we've ever seen. Um, cause there was more of a boxy design during the clone wars and this is more smooth. So they had to kind of translate it to the rebels version. Yeah. And he kind of looks really weird to me. <laughs> well, you know, he does, but compared to some of the other, um, past characters we're going to see in this episode. He's mm-hmm. not so bad. I'll just <laughs> okay, leave it. Yeah, at okay, that fair. I have a note there. about that too. <laughs> what other thing that I I was thinking about when I was 
listening to this recording and trying to, I really like Matt Lanter. I think he did a great job in Clone Wars, but he does not sound anything like Anakin Skywalker from the movies. No, he doesn't. He's got a very manly, warm voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Doesn't sound like he has a little bit of autism. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I wonder if that's an intentional choice because mm-hmm. you do not like Anakin uh, no. pretty much after Phantom Menace. He's just, you feel like real creeped out by him. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so maybe for a kid show, they're like, you know, let's like dad it up a little bit. Yeah, it had to be intentional, too, because they did such a good job with so many of the other characters, you know, like Mace Windu. The dude sounds like Samuel L. Jackson. Like or James yeah. Arnold Taylor killed it. Yeah, totally. They did such a good job with all the other characters that, like, I'm sure they're like, well, he doesn't sound like Anakin, but do we really want that? Do we want him to? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, the answer is no to yeah. that. It's like, Ahsoka, I want to go do fight some Sith, Ahsoka. And let's remember that George Lucas, that was was his decision to bring in that voice actor oh, so ob- so he retconned himself <laughs> yeah, yeah that's tight i mean that's the in the clone wars that's what anakin i wanted in the movies oh, yeah. which is just this that's anakin yeah really smart kind of soft-spoken uh which is always more scary when someone that's mm-hmm. soft-spoken like they when they get mad oh it's so totally. much more scary as opposed to someone that's whining when they get mad we're like all right relax yeah, <laughs> totally. That's a good point, too, because in the Clone Wars, you still see the flashes of darkness in Anakin. And when he sna- when he turns in that and he gets that real dark, like even does in this episode, it's like, what do you know what I've become? Like, um, it's so much more jarring, like you were saying, when it's this kind, gentle person that you really respect. And then all of a sudden the shadow comes across them and they're dark as opposed to Aiden Christensen, which I do still love him and support him. But, yes, you know, he's. When you're kind of a creepy whiner from the beginning, it's not that crazy when you start becoming like a yeah. child murderer. Because you're not comfortable. You're not settled in what you are. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's also more believable, too, because with the Anakin of the movies, you're just like, he's a fickle little kid. I don't know. Wait five minutes. He'll think something different. <laughs> but in Clone Wars, he's he has this kind of resolve to him that when he makes a decision is more like believable. So... Yeah, seeing that flare of the dark side of him and him making that change is like, oh, he really means this. Yeah. So I think we're all pro Matt Lanter. Yeah. Um, and that being said, I'm gonna I want to back up what you said about you know respecting Hayden Christensen and wishing only the best mm-hmm. because it's also directors. Yeah. <laughs> they could have stopped that from happening. Yeah, I 100 percent don't blame him for. For any know. of this, <laughs> he, he didn't improv. I hate sand. <laughs> 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 or maybe he did, and he's a genius. Um, I wouldn't change a thing, though. Yeah. Um, so, Kanan enters the cabin and he shares his fear that the Inquisitors will continue to be a threat with Ahsoka, and she agrees. So, she has this idea because she says that. Her and Anakin used to turn to people like Obi-Wan and Yoda in times of crisis. And they're like, well, maybe we can still do that. So they return. They decide to return to the Jedi Temple on Lothal, where Kanan and Ezra once did speak to once did speak. I know how to speak words when Kanan and Ezra once spoke to Master Yoda from afar. And so they think that's a good idea. And they leave on board the Phantom without telling the crew where they are going. 
<laughs> I, I love this moment. I really, I really need to edit this when uh, Hera go or Sabine says, you know, where are they going now? And Hera <laughs> responds with, sometimes it's better not to know. And then I want it to flash right away to like Kane in the club, like making rain <laughs> with dollar bills. <laughs> Like he's just like ignorance is bliss kind of thing. To yeah, like totally. His, his uh, meanderings. Did you did you have any thoughts, Crystal, about her about Kanan leaving and wistfully looking out the window, saying it's better not to know? It's melodramatic, but that's <laughs> what Jedi are. <laughs> yeah, totally. At least the interesting ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. always taken. Yep. Um, so we cut to the trio, which I feel like they need like a cool, like team name. Like, yeah, I can't think of what it would be. Mm. Let's call them the J squad. Okay. (laughs) The J squad. Perfect. I was going to call them the Gernsville potato peel pie literary society. Whoa. Great movie on Netflix. (laughs) Have you seen it? It's wonderful. I don't don't even know what that is. (laughs) Oh, it is. Just pleasant. Uh, if you like Downton Abbey, you'll love it. I love Downtown Abbey. Me no, too. I love Downton Abbey. Except yeah. for Mr. Bates and Anna is like the weirdest coupling in all of <laughs> yes, the history of the world. And I hate it. Yes, it is. Yeah. Not this podcast. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> the one. amount of times we talk about like Downtown Abbey and Harry Potter and all the random things that aren't Star Wars, it kind of is this podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so the J squad, I'm going to go with that. If you're fine, Mike, um, they arrive at Lothal and they journey to the Jedi temple. And when they land, Ahsoka is surprised to know that Ezra is from Lothal, which I don't know why she's that surprised. Yeah. I was wondering. You're from Chicago. Whoa. Yeah. That's a place. Right. Yeah. I'm guessing. I wonder. I I was just going to say, maybe she's trying to make Like She doesn't really know how to talk to kids. Totally. She's like, you're from here. (laughs) Yeah. I'm guessing the, because it was weird. I'm guessing the actual reason is she also senses that there's something deeper going on on Lethal with the Force, because as we'll learn in season four. Yes. um, There's a lot of, you know, it's a Force rich place. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I like the awkward aunt act a little better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You're from Stockton? (laughs) no one's ever interested in that town but yeah um so they fill ahsoka in on what happened last time when they were able to lift up the jedi temple and they talk to yoda and ezra suggests that ahsoka should lift it with kanan and she says that she cannot because she is not a jedi which what the hell i am very confused about this well Mm. Uh, this, this, and that, I, I wrote that line down that no longer a Jedi, probably mm-hmm. best if you two open it. Yeah, first of all, she is not a Jedi anymore. She quit the Order, because Jedi yeah. is not an innate or inherent thing. It's a club right. that yeah. you can join and be trained in. So she isn't a Jedi anymore. But I'm wondering, on this line, in light of Clone Wars to come, I want to like remember this line as I'm watching that because she's going to be in Clone Wars. Yeah. And are we going to see that kind of struggle between being a Jedi and not a Jedi as well? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I hang my hat on how she says I it's probably better for you to do it or whatever she says. Um like she says better. So maybe it's a choice because if it's not a choice, that doesn't that makes no sense to me. Like if there's some special code that only Jedi can do to open this, because first of all, Kanan technically isn't a Jedi at this point. Second of all, uh, he is. He's a Padawan. Yeah. Well, he's but a Padawan, all... but he's not a Je- Jedi. Yeah, Padawan is a Jedi, right? I don't think so. Jedi, uh, yeah, you're a Jedi, 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 but you're not a knight. Yeah. Uh, but the, okay. My thought with this is that she. Uh, they need Yoda's help and why risk doing it wrong when you know you can do it right. And even though technically they're not a part of the Jedi club, like Ezra is definitely mm-hmm. not a Jedi club. He didn't turn his back on it. She actually stopped being a Jedi. So yeah. she was like, okay, well I do have the force. I could open this, but why would I, yeah. when there are yeah. two people that didn't turn their back on the order. And that's something that we see her clearly still struggling struggling with later in this episode yeah with the guilt of it and i guess i i mean i wouldn't if i quit mm-hmm. i would let people that did not quit do it as well yeah yeah that's that's kind of what i was saying about like hanging my head on her saying it's better for you because yeah it makes that makes it a choice you know she's respecting the sanctity of the jedi order or whatever which i think makes more sense than like some sort of like secret handshake that only jedi know yeah to open yeah. it because I feel like also so other another objection is that Ezra can open the Sith temple as we learn in a couple episodes. So like Sith evidently don't have that code, that mm. key card access that Jedi temples have. I think it's a force thing. Mm-hmm. I don't I yeah. don't think it's a Jedi thing again. Um Yeah, I guess that's my 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 point or my issue is And I think we, it was ambiguous enough that it yeah. made me kind of confused. There's some symbolism in later coming here a bit later that I think mm-hmm. um, in my mind like makes it more about the force than the Jedi or the dark side. Um, but as well, when she says that line, uh, you know, it's probably best if you two open it. I would really like in that moment for Bono to then step in <laughs> and lift the temple. And I still <laughs> what I'm looking for. There it is. And he's like, best. oh, there it is. <laughs> best if you two open it. <laughs> get it? About, honestly, the, about the line. I honestly didn't get it until you yep. just said that. It's good. <laughs> That's it good. good. That is technically a joke. That technically is technically it is a joke. A joke. <laughs> technically, this is all a joke, but let's keep going. You two opened it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's funny and yeah. more funny after I think about it longer. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. The best part of humor is those jokes where you have to explain it. That's my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so they are lifting the temple and it rises a little higher um, than it did before, opening up a second door that they did not know existed before. So they go into the new door. Okay, this new problem, new door. <laughs> yep. I like that line a yeah. lot. Like Total that. like dad quote. Just like, yep, new problem, new door. It's like, <laughs> oh, cool. All right. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of those lines that in its simplicity is deep. Yeah, like, yeah, I like it's that. It's like, well, Ezra, fail to plan, plan to fail. Um, and then they walk in through the new door and decide to meditate because that is what happened. Last time they saw Yoda. 
I want to point out, so this door is a little bit different than the one before. We've seen like glyphs and Jedi stuff from Ralph McQuarrie, but this time there are new paintings mm-hmm. all over the door and all over the wall. Did yeah. either of you kind of notice those paintings? Yeah. And I did. See yeah. anything special in there? Yes. <laughs> Can we talk about it? Yeah, I think this is one of the coolest Easter eggs that Me I have come across too. so far. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted this episode. That's awesome. Go for it. They're riding wolves. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's so, so awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, it's like ancient, kind of like ancient people. Like we would see the stereotypical like cave wall paintings of these beings that have these tentacles on their heads riding giant wolves. Which, as you go on in the series, we will start to see what the symbolism of that is. But it's starting to plant the seeds for the end game of this entire series in the second season, which I think is really interesting and really cool. It's so awesome. And it's not something I noticed uh, at my first viewing of this. Totally. It wasn't until watching the fourth season and then starting it again where I was like, oh, my God, and like <laughs> shaking my hands and looking at it because you just get so excited. And God, their animators are so, oh, this is such a good <laughs> series. They totally. bring everything together. Nothing superfluous. It's just. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Filoni does another amazing troll job in retrospect, too. If you watch Rebels Recon afterwards, the after show. He's doing his interview and he has a loath wolf pin on his hat while he's doing this interview. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Pepping it in. All intentional. Uh, yeah. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Um, it's, it's interesting to me. Um, these beings are kind of interesting to me because they're humanoids, but they don't look human. Um, they, I mean, they look human, they have arms and legs and stuff, but they have four kind of squiggly tentacle things going straight up, kind of like Marge Simpson hair. Um, and I don't, I can't make a clear connection to any species we have seen before. So I'm wondering if these are some sort of innate force beings that have gone away back in time. They're the people who made these paintings. They kind of remind me of like the children of the forest in game of Thrones. If you're familiar with that yeah. series, the original people Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. They're like the original people <laughs> and they're magical and had a connection to the to nature and then men came and killed them all and they disappeared mm. back into the forest. Um, which I think could be that kind of a cool thing about like kind of native force beings on yeah. Lothal that might imbue it with some of its power. So that's interesting. There's yeah. a lot of parallels between the story of the children of the forest and the white walkers and mm-hmm. Lothal specifically. Um, totally. Now that I'm thinking about it, like dire wolves. Like, well, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> I could watch an entire like four part mini series on the history of Lothal. That planet oh, yeah. interests me so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. And it's like a, a planet that's alive in the sense that, um, you know, the world, the game of Thrones is alive mm-hmm. and protecting itself and like entrusting people to protect it. And, I don't know. It's so interesting. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to decide. I mean, some of this is so they never did, you know, in game of Thrones, there's all the history books and you had a pretty detailed history back in the ancient days of everything. And they haven't done that for Lothal, which I think would be super interesting. Yeah. But until then we kind of need to pick up the pieces and look into all the symbolism as the series goes on. 
Um, we've talked about like force corridors, which are these places and planets that have an unusual connection to bind the living force and the cosmic force together. Um, kind of like Dagobah is one of those places, and that's why they think Yoda might be there. And so Lothal seems to be one of those places as well, and we're going to explore that more. And I'm just kind of interested. Yeah. It's, it's just such a cool, like, mystical thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of cool, mystical things, um, we're going to see three visions coming up. I kind of organized it. I think it makes sense to kind of just talk about the three visions together, even though it kind of bounces around. So let's start with Kanan's vision. Um, and we could talk about the conclusion of everything kind of at the end after we touch them all. But so Kanan sees a doorway that no one else can see. And so he says, this might be my path to walk alone. And he goes through the doorway and enters a dojo. Yeah. Which okay. I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. And I think this is such a moment of like, you see the growth of Kanan here. Like his mm -hmm. character arc is much steeper than Ezra's. Um, yeah. And I guess that makes sense because he's been in the game a bit longer. Yeah. But his and path he's to older too. Is, yeah. That helps. <laughs> Some say that helps. Um, yeah. But like this him recognizing this and being you know having the the wisdom to yeah to do yeah, it yeah totally um we have actually seen this dojo before if you're a comic reader um in also Kanan. if you've ever watched the matrix yeah totally <laughs> this is so matrix um but in canaan number seven uh when he is a young padawan he's training in this dojo with master yoda um so this is a specific place from his path from his past that has been manifested for him. And inside he finds a Jedi temple guard, a sentinel. Um, and he says that he is coming to get power and to learn the secrets of defeating, defeating coming to get knowledge, knowledge. You're right. Not, Not power. power. You're right. Good. Difference. Yes. Big difference. Glad you caught that. He wants knowledge to stop Darth Vader and the inquisitors. The sentinel claims that fighting is futile and it would fall to it would lead to the fall of the rebellion and even worse Ezra's fall to the dark side. So the only choice is for this sentinel to take out Ezra and Kanan does not want to let that happen. So he ignites his lightsaber. The sentinel activates his dope folding switchblade yellow yeah. lightsaber. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's such a cool design. I'd never seen. It's kind of like folded together. And it made me think like if he. It ignited it in its form there. Would it just have like two lightsabers poking out like kind of that thing you put in corn on the cob so you can hold it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he folds it out and it's kind of the classic double bladed lightsaber. And it's kind of this cool. I, I feel like I would have thought yellow lightsabers were lame when I heard about it, but it's kind of this cool gold tint. It's very regal. I don't know. I really yeah. liked it. I like it. I like it, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he has the uh, Inquisitor, or we don't know, the Temple Guard, sorry, has um, some interesting lines here where <laughs> I had to kind of stop and think about them. And I was wondering what you guys mm -hmm. thought about them as well when he says um, that the dark side pulls at him, at Ezra. Try to fight and you will fail. The rebellion will be destroyed. You will die and your apprentice will become a servant of evil. What are you talking about? The dark side. It pulls at him. It calls to him. Eventually, he will be consumed by it. Yeah, and totally. I'm conflicted about that. I 
I guess I don't have enough evidence in the show that suggests that's true. We've seen moments of him. I don't know. I, yeah. I haven't seen those moments clear enough to believe that. I agree a hundred percent. And a part of me or not a part of me, what I think is happening is that they're using Kanan's fear against him. And yeah. Kanan's fear is that mm-hmm. Ezra is going to turn to the dark side and he doesn't seem like he is. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. There's not been enough. Uh, he's Ezra's very even keeled. You don't mm-hmm. see those rage moments that much, even when his, uh, even when Hera and uh, Kanan mentioned that they looked for his father and his yeah. parents. Yeah. Like any other kid would be like, "What?" And you didn't tell me. But he's mm-hmm. like, "Thank you for, thank you for doing that for totally. me," which is such a, a mature response. And I think Kanan, because he was a part of the Jedi order when it all fell apart was worried is worried that Ezra is going to follow the wrong path. So I, I think that the uh, temple guard is kind of uh, feeding on his hesitations and his fear. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I a hundred percent think that's what it is. Yeah. And I'd say that that makes me like it more actually, because I feel like this is more so like, doing a retrospective on the series so far it's more laying the seeds for what's coming because yeah you're right we haven't seen a lot we saw he kind of lost control with the big mama minoc thing or frynock um and tapped into the dark side there and then in that episode that that crystal was just referencing there's one tiny flash where he kind of goes crazy on some stormtroopers but other than that You know, it's maybe enough to like kind of peak this worry in the back of Kanan's head that something might be going on. And I think they're trying to use that against him to, you know, see how he'll react. Yeah. 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 100% agree. And and I feel like with Kanan, um, this is this is his cave. This is Luke's cave, you know, the the cave that Luke had to enter in a way. Not as much as it is for Ezra. Um, Ezra is so interesting. He's not tested in his visions. When you look at the three visions and kind of do a a side by side, Mm -hmm. Kanan's face with the most challenge and, um, Ahsoka's face with the past and Ezra's faced with the future. Um, so this is, yeah, it seems most important that Kanan in this episode is kind of really at his best. And it's so interesting when they start to fight, um, that Kanan, when he picks up a second lightsaber, ignites mm-hmm. a red lightsaber in his right hand and his left hand has the blue one or vice versa. Yeah, uh, totally. And I think that's that, um, you know, that's the symbolic balance there. Mm-hmm. And it's only in that moment of him striking the balance that he's able to be at peace. And I think that's what he finds with the peace and the confidence that he's done his best and, you know, Followed his moral compass, and you know that's all I can do. Uh, totally. Uh, so speaking of the lightsabers, there's kind of a cool fact here that the wall that Cannon grabs the lightsabers off are all repurposed animation props from old episodes of the Clone Wars. So like most of them are kind of like we've seen the half shields where they just use the same model and kind of just change random things. Like they took the Inquisitor's lightsaber and gave it a different color and took off the ring, but 
kind of as Easter eggs, they put some famous lightsabers up there, including Kiati Mundis, Luminara Undulis, Kit Fistos, and Adi Gallias. Wow. So, so awesome. For some lightsaber nerds, you can keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I understand. And it's, it's definitely, I think Mike's points, right? That that's why they have a red lightsaber is kind of representing the light and dark within Kanan or whatever. But it is just funny to me that they just have a red lightsaber on the wall too. Like if that was actually in the temple, like, Oh, check this out. (laughs) (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the way I see it is... The red is he's manifesting the red in his own internal struggle. And then once he realizes that that's not going to fix anything, it shuts off and he's back to his Mm. good old blue baby. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, So the Sentinel is now flanked by two other Jedi Temple guards and Kanan says he will never be strong enough to protect Ezra from the dark side. And for his failure, the Sentinel says Kanan will perish. So let's cut it off there and maybe jump to Ezra's vision. Can I actually talk about one more thing? Yeah, totally. So this is something I noticed after my multiple viewings. Mm-hmm. And there is a specific move that the, the Temple Guard does that shows that it's the Grand Inquisitor. Oh. So... When Ezra and Kanan were fighting the <laughs> Grand... Can you hear the dog? Yeah, he's <laughs> so cute. It's really <laughs> cute. Little puppy. Um, you're ruining my point, adorable dog. Um, when Ezra and Kanan are fighting the Grand Inquisitor for that last battle, yeah, the Grand Inquisitor does this move that I've never seen a Jedi do ever, which is jump, strike with the lightsaber, and kick the chest a couple times. Oh. And... This character does that same, the temple guard does the same oh, wow. exact move as the defeating blow to Kanan. I love that. I've never, yeah, I didn't notice that. And that's something that I thought was just so freaking awesome. Um, yeah. That's really cool. And it's, uh, I, I just, that's another thing. The animators for this show, they don't miss a beat. Yeah. They add stuff whenever they can, so much so that you can't even keep up with it. Yeah, I'm totally going to go back and watch that because that's so interesting to me. Yeah. Cool. It's, yeah, I think that's so, so freaking awesome. And then I was like, oh, so they're giving you little hints on who this <laughs> temple guard is before you even. Ouch. Yeah. 
before you even get uh, in there, he bit me. <laughs> yes, I was. Oh, I love puppies. Yeah, he's so cute. Anyway, yeah. um, yes, now we can move on to Ahsoka. That was just one thing yeah, that I thought was so awesome. Let's keep the conclusion for all these at the end, um, or at least for Kanan's, because I think that's kind of the crown jewel of this episode. And yeah, let's jump to Ahsoka's because I think she was kind of interesting to me. It was kind of short. So Ahsoka um, continues to meditate. She, Ezra has disappeared at this point, which is kind of an interesting touch. And so she's alone in the same location and she hears Anakin's voice calling to her. Ahsoka, why did you leave? Where were you when I needed you? I made a choice. I couldn't stay. You were selfish. No. You abandoned me. You failed me. Do you know? She doesn't turn around, but you can see over her shoulder that Anakin appears behind her and asks why she left when he still needed her. And then anger, he kind of turns on that angry tone, kind of we're talking about the shadow going across his face and says that that Soka abandoned him and failed him and asks if she knows what he has become. And then this is kind of a cool, really creepy touch that the form of Anakin kind of swirls. He says, you know, I become and all of a sudden it's Vader across her. Yeah. Uh, and she freaks out, ignites her lightsaber, spins around to strike him, but he is gone. And at this point she must admit the truth to herself that Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's gotta suck. <laughs> Seriously. She was just oh. telling my friends how cool you were. <laughs> to go do this, God. Yeah, yeah um, and, I, and I think more than uh, admitting that, I think for Ahsoka in this moment, more than realizing that Vader is Anakin, which she knows but doesn't mm-hmm. want to accept. Yeah, a lot of it is about uh, dealing with her abandonment and betrayal. She she in, is internalizing that. I yeah. think we know it's not true, and that she had to follow her own path. But I think she's still wrestling with that. Yes. Um, which. I think she comes to terms with a little bit here when we see her exiting. I'll, I don't know if you want me to say this for the end, but I'm, I'm going to say it. it. Uh, when Yoda uh, acknowledges her and she acknowledges <laughs> I Yoda. That yeah. I, I think that's I the acceptance it. there. Yeah. I oh. think in a way that's confirmation to her that she, you know, it wasn't, there's no such thing as the right choice, or the wrong choice, but the choice she made was the right one for her. Yeah. yeah, And that, um, you know, in a way she still is a Jedi, you know, and I think that's enough. That little Yoda wave makes me get teary eyed. <laughs> Seriously. Because he's just so, so happy to see her and just like, me, I, I love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so this is probably a good point for me to bring up one of the coolest things that I discovered about this is executive producer Henry Gilroy, Henry Gilroy said that all these visions are actually being manipulated directly by Yoda. So that means that Yoda showed Ahsoka this because it's what Ahsoka needed to know. And that also implies that Yoda knows that Anakin is Vader. Well, obviously he does because he saw the security footage, but he's the one telling kind of confirming it for Ahsoka. 
which I thought was a really interesting touch. Like he's, he's still teaching her a lesson in this very weird Yoda way. And then I think that also is super interesting because as we get to the end of Kanan's vision, which, you know what, let's jump back into that real quick. He's about to get struck down by the Sentinel and he accepts his defeat and knows he can't protect Ezra forever. And then at that moment, instead of striking him, he knights him. By the right of the council, by the will of the force, Kanan Jarrus, we rise. this mean? It means you are what I once was, a knight of the Jedi Order. And kind of taps his lightsaber on both shoulders, and he he rises as a Jedi Knight. So that's really interesting to me because, you know, when I first saw this and didn't know that Yoda was manipulating this, it kind of was like, okay, whatever, he had some vision, like some ghost in his mind told him he's a Jedi Knight. So cool. You can keep pretending that, but then that means that Yoda did that. Yoda is officially blessing him as a Jedi Knight, which makes it legit in my mind, which I think is really interesting. Do you think, do you think that means Yoda was manipulating the vision for Luke on Dagobah? Possibly. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah. I like the the idea of Yoda being on Dagobah now doing all this stuff. Yeah, totally. And the fact when Ezra's talking to him, which we haven't gotten to, mm-hmm. I will wait. <laughs> no, I mean let's let's jump into that right now because I mean we can we can just say too, I mean, we've already kind of talked about it, but this is also when Kanan learns that the sentinel he is fighting is the Grand Inquisitor who he defeated in the first season. And it has been confirmed that he was a Jedi Knight, which is something we have talked about before. But this is the first kind of confirmation in the show that the Inquisitors were all former Jedi. So that was a big reveal at the time. So sad. (laughs) And I think it's a, in a way, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a warning Mm -hmm. uh, for Kanan about what the responsibility means and, you know, the perils of. I don't know, just the the dangers of accepting the responsibility of becoming this yeah. Jedi Knight and what, you know, the possible ramifications of, you know, mm-hmm. turning to the dark side are. Yeah. Um, and this is another guest star because Jason Isaacs returns to do the voice of the Grand Inquisitor, which what? I like. Jason that. Isaacs? Lush, yeah. yeah, totally. Great voice. Great voice. Great eyes, too. Um, Fold your hand around the firecracker. <laughs> <laughs> Wife's yeah. gonna be opening your ketchup bottles for the rest of your life. That's <laughs> a Armageddon quote. That's tight. Because he played oh the scientist in Armageddon. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever quoted that movie. <laughs> that sounds right up your alley, Mike. I know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how. I Get know. on it, man. There are so many quotable quotes. <laughs> um. So yeah, let's jump to it now. I kind of want to save this for the end because I think it's kind of the most impactful going forward, but. Ahsoka and Ezra are meditating and she opens her eyes and Ezra has just disappeared. And when he opens his eyes, he is in a very familiar setting. It's the same one where he heard Yoda's voice before and what we now know is probably the world between worlds. And this time he looks and Yoda is fully manifested and he can see Yoda because 
his powers have grown stronger so he can make a stronger connection with Yoda on Dagobah. Mm hmm. Right. And he's on a tree branch, which yeah. is what I wanted to say before. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So I just right. picture him just like talking to himself. And there's all the little creatures on Dagobah. Like there's that guy yeah. talking to himself again. What a weirdo. Totally. Yeah. And he look, has looked more Kermit, the, more Kermit the Frog than ever. <laughs> Tough to be green. I think and, this is the perfect time for us to talk about his look because yep. it's very odd. It's the worst Yoda of all Yodas <laughs> you I've ever seen. This mm -hmm. is my uh, this is my note. Why does Yoda look like Richard Dreyfus? <laughs> it's very <Yeah>. odd. <laughs> um, but so they say that Dave Filoni said that the look that they went with it is inspired by the 1980s Kenner action figure of Why? Yoda because Dave likes playing with his toys. Come on, Dave. <laughs> just make him look like Yoda. Easier, yeah. better. That's way yeah. too self indulgent for me. I do like this though because the, the action figure came. Didn't the, I think it remember if I remember it right? It came with that branch, like and so like which is an exciting action figure, a little green guy on a branch. But it also came with a Dagobah snake, and Dave <laughs> Filoni said they originally wanted to add that in, have the snake with Yoda in the thing, but then they took it out last minute. Yeah, it's way too Voldemort. Yeah, it's probably about where they blew their robe budget. They animated the snake and we're like, oh, take that out. Now we can't do robes. Yeah, I don't know. Yep. I, I mean, I'm not actually upset about it, but it just, it's just a nitpick. Totally. Why would you base it on that toy? Why would you just base it on <laughs> I know, that, just make it. Yoda. Did he not hear what happened in the prequels when they tried to do something <clears throat> different with Yoda? Yeah. Just make regular. I mean, that being said, this Yoda is very cute. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't, I don't want cute, cute Yoda. This one looks way too human for me. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it's, it's weird. I think if, if it's a, it's a hard adjustment for me, but I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not offended by it. Yeah. I'm not offended by it because we don't see it that much. Yeah. I, if I had to deal with this every episode, I would be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't think Anakin looks a lot like Anakin either. That's true. So I just, I chalked it up to, they took artistic liberties. It's kind of bothersome though, that he was like, this is how I want him to look. <laughs> Yeah. Like you're not allowed to do that. Totally. Well, it's interesting. Like they, so like I was saying, they have to translate it from kind of the boxy look from the Clone Wars that wouldn't look very well, good in this series to kind of the smoothed out, shiny animation style of Rebels. But yeah, they took a little bit too much liberty for my liking. <laughs> um, but this is the third guest star, Frank Oz, returns for The Voice which is always a fun treat. Yes. Um, I'm finding out he'll do just about anything. I know, which is tight. Good for him. That's yeah. awesome. Everyone should be like that. Him and Mark Hamill, man. Yeah. Also Anthony Daniels. He does everything. Seriously. He has nothing else. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember I went and saw Empire Strikes Back in concert, like an orchestra playing it. Yes. Um, when I was in college and Anthony Daniels just came out to like introduce it because like, why the hell not? Yeah, he did that when I saw Star Wars in concert. Yeah, it's cool. And it's like, it's just, I don't know, it's just fun to see. Yeah, in Connecticut, too. Like, that's not interesting. cool. Yeah. Because I saw it in LA when I was going to school down in Southern California. So I figured, like, Anthony Daniels just lived there. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll pop over for an afternoon. Like, Connecticut, dang. Yeah, right? Well, yeah, then that's extra cool. Um, so Ezra asks Yoda 
if the Jedi Master has the power to destroy Vader and the Inquisitors, which I think is a good point in light of what Mike brought up when Kanan's seeking knowledge, Ezra is seeking power still. So this might be a little bit of a hint of what's to come with Dark Ezra and kind of how he flirts with the dark side. Um, and Yoda shows him a vision of clone troopers preparing for battle and Jedi fighting in the Clone Wars and said that in the Je- Order's arrogance, they joined the conflict too quickly. Fear and anger gripped the Jedi Order and they were consumed by the dark side, which I think is really an interesting thing that in this retrospect, you can kind of see clearly that not only were they kind of manipulated by the dark side, but he thinks that the Jedi Order were completely consumed by it and maybe even acting as agents of evil unwittingly. Mm. That's at least my interpretation. I think it's kind of that I think is kind of interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, that is interesting. I like that. Yeah, because we've talked about like the arrogance of the Jedi and things like that. But, you know, it's a slippery Yoda is very fundamentalist, you know. All right. They're arrogant. Now they're in the dark side. Banished. Yeah. Um, so Ezra asks, in light of that, was it wrong for the Jedi to fight? And is it wrong for Ezra to protect his friends? And Yoda admits that he was once consumed by fear, and it's a lifelong challenge to avoid turning fear into anger. So this was kind of an interesting point where Yoda admits he was afraid. He was scared, too. He wasn't immune to the dark side during the Clone Wars. You know what I wonder? Yeah. So you... Mental illness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Quite, quite the segue. <laughs> yeah. Um... Anxiety yep. makes you scared of everything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when people get scared, they get mad. Yep. Do we think a lot of the Jedi turn just because they were like, they should have gotten on like Lexapro or Paxil <laughs> or something. And if they were more balanced in their mind, because I imagine they're, they're like people, there's gonna, yeah. gotta be chemical imbalances and stuff. But I mean, I would be, uh, on the dark side in a second, only because of how I react to things. I'm a very, uh, I'm very scared <laughs> and get very mad. Yeah. And uh, I always think about that. Cause I'm like, man, I would be so evil <laughs> in Jedi point of views. So yeah. I, I wonder about that with how maybe Anakin was just, I mean, his mom died. He's depressed. He just needed yeah. to get a chemical balance going on there. Mm. Yeah, would probably be fine. I it's it's funny with the fear for Ezra. I it's, I did think about Anakin directly on this line too, um, because I think the fundamental difference between Ezra and Anakin, who fear has both affected, is that Ezra has the self awareness and almost like the empathy to have a conversation about it, <laughs> where yeah. Anakin was so afraid uh, he was like meta he was like afraid of his own fear that he pushed it down and wouldn't talk about it and in that way his almost his like his fear and arrogance that he could overcome his fear was like his hubris but with ezra the fact that he's talking about it Mm -hmm. we're going back to the mental uh mental illness conversation totally the fact that you can be open and talk about it in itself will relieve can have the power to relieve a lot of of that and open up like healing options to you but anakin wouldn't do that yeah um, and i think that's the fundamental difference between their fears yeah 
That makes sense. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And especially the part about, you know, being able to openly talk about things and kind of, you know, get advice and counsel from people you trust. It goes a long way to not feel like you have to hide in the shadows in these things. And, you know, I think this is an important point in lots of ways, you know, it goes to dogma and kind of fundamentalism, which the Jedi were quite fundamental um, in their way. You know, it was almost like, oh, you're struggling with this. Stop it. Which doesn't help. You know, yeah. I think there's been pl- there's plenty of oh, parallels. You're, de- you're depressed. Walk it off. Totally. It doesn't work. <laughs> this whole yeah. thing. This whole thing is a mental illness. Yep. Um, metaphor. Here we go. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, we've I know some fundamentalist people that in the in their private lives were dealing with some really dark shit and couldn't get the help for it because they felt like they didn't have a support group around them. And, you know, it led to some very serious things in their life. And, you know, some people that I know have taken their lives because of different things that they didn't feel like they had resources with. So sorry to get heavy, but I think this is an important point to bring up, you know, and it leads directly into what Yoda is saying. You know, it's, I think you have to find that balance between being part of the light side and also being okay with who you are. If that makes any sense. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, so while they're talking about this stuff, the temple starts to shake and some rubble is falling on them. And this is, I just thought this was a cool line when Yoda was just like, the enemy has come or whatever he says. Like, it was just very dramatic to me. Yeah. Um, and we find out we saw earlier Chopper was on the lookout and the Inquisitors arrived and they figured out that there was a temple underneath this little mountain thing. And so they are lifting the temple. I hate how much she uses her droids. Yeah. <laughs> so I cheap. Agree. Agree. Ugh. I remember when she used the droid to see the temple, I was like, hey, I have that map in Breath of the Wild. Like, where you can, like, <laughs> see all the paths. I was like, but that's yeah. so cheap. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I think I understand that. I don't know. She's like a technophile Jedi where she can get yeah. you know, her stuff to work for her, like, re- really well. But it's just such cheating. <laughs> I wish they just felt it. Yeah. See, I kind of like it because it feels like almost more dark. Like, yeah. Like, oh, she's like extra bad because she's bending the rules. <laughs> like, or it it's just technology versus nature metaphor. Like, which totally. Is, like, right. Yeah. And it's part of, too, you know, we've talked about the lightsabers doing that weird spinning thing because, you know, they're technically Jedi, but they're not as powerful as, you know, full Jedi or full Sith. So they need kind of these things to cheat. So, you know, she's making up for some lack of power with her tricky booby traps and weird droids and stuff like that. Those slick shoes. Yeah, with her slick shoes. <laughs> um, and so this brings up another point, though, about kind of Ahsoka saying like, oh, I shouldn't lift the temple. So one of two things is going on here. Either that's they don't have that weird lock and they just are disregarding the Jedi rules and they have the force so they can lift it up, which is one thing. The other thing I thought was interesting was if there is some sort of Jedi barrier, do are they able to still access that as former Jedi? I think so. Because again, I don't think it's about Jedi. I think it's just about the force mm-hmm. and the force is yeah. totally, you know, it's, it's impartial to morality. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not light side, dark side or Jedi Sith. It's just like, mm-hmm. and I think everyone's like stuck in these like binaries in this universe where it's like, but the force doesn't care. <laughs> it's like, right. <laughs> and it's, I mean, the one thing that it does look like for me is that they are struggling to get it open. Yep. 
That's true. Uh, the temple is trying to protect itself. Otherwise, if it crumbled like that every time someone opened it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or is that Yoda? Is that Yoda counter? Cause, oh. Because the Grand Inquisitor says, I'll stall them. But if Yoda is the one controlling these visions, then it's really Yoda stalling them. Yeah. Mm, I like that. Yeah. That's Another good. thing I noticed too is there's those like ley lines kind of in the ground around the temple and they yeah. start gro- glowing red when the temple, when the Oh, those are just are... the emergency exits. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this, this way, follow the lights. <laughs> yeah. Another thought I had though that I thought was interesting is that, is that the Sith corrupting the temple, kind of like how they corrupt kyber crystals? So they're kind of, you know, just taking that this thing is, by power. That's my exact thoughts, too. Yeah. I figured it was a corruption. I've heard theories that people think it's like a warning system. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a stupid theory. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a corruption. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that better. Security system. Yeah. yeah. Like the on. lights. These are the, yeah, the exit lights. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like in this uh, in this situation, like. The temple shaking and crumbling around them, and people are like, "Well, I don't think we're in danger because I don't see the warning lights." So can <laughs> someone go outside and look and see if the security system's tripped? So yeah, I like the corruption one too. Um, so in the chaos, Yoda tells Ezra to find Malakor, and he doesn't know what that is. Is he says, "What's who's Malakor?" And then turns around, and Yoda is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so they take off and kind of meet in the middle corridor again. Um, as Mike said, the Inquisitor said that they will protect the people as they escape. And Kanan kind of gives them the cool nod. And they, <laughs> I like this part where Ezra's like, oh my God, you won't believe what happened. And Kanan's just like, not now. I'll talk about it later. Right? Kanan's, yeah. and Kanan's story is so much better. I know, He's totally. like, I was knighted, bitch. <laughs> 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 oh, you talked to Yoda? Great. <laughs> totally. I don't know. Is that knighting going to hold up in court? He's like, no, I swear. In a vision, I was knighted. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> like, Ezra's like, really? Who knighted you? The Grand Inquisitor did. Oh, cool. Yeah, sounds great, Kanan. Um, but they do escape and they run through the catacombs just as the fifth brother and the seventh sister enter. And they manage to exit the temple and return to the Phantom. As we said, Yoda gives a sweet little goodbye wave to Ahsoka. Oh. And then we cut back and see the Inquisitors face down by a bunch of te- temple guards. And they are astonished to see that one of them is the Grand Inquisitor. And then they get stabbed to death or something. I'm not really clear what exactly happens. I know, right? They get well, folded in. Yeah. I, mean, I think I think it's like the Luke um, fighting Kylo Ren thing. Yeah. It's like, I don't, it's because I don't think it's real. I think it's just like a scare tactic because they come back, right? Yeah. They yeah. don't die. So I think they realize that it's not real and eventually just get out. Yeah, I like that point actually. Oh uh, well, I, I don't know because I guess I guess Yoda is able to make physical contact with Kanan, so I don't know. Maybe I'm undercutting myself here. No, I think you're right. I think he can choose. Yeah. Yeah, and it also could be the like, reality is your perception. Maybe Kanan's not actually physically making contact with anything. Maybe yeah. it's because it's in his mind. His like yeah. mind is making him think he's making contact, but he's actually in like a dark room by himself, just swinging a lightsaber like a crazy person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I, I like that reading actually, because, you know, they're just trying to stall them so that the trio, the J squad gets a chance to escape. <laughs> um, so, you know, maybe it is the hologram that, you know, just gives them enough time to pause and defend themselves. And then when they realize that it's too late, then they're already gone. So the trio exits the temple and are on the phantom. And Ezra tells the others that Yoda told him to find Malachor and asks again who Malachor is. But Ahsoka says it's the not. Rancor owner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ahsoka says it's not a person, but a place. Dun, dun, With dun. With the best voice acting ever. <laughs> it's yeah. a place. It's a place. Yeah. Um, and then we cut back to Lothal. And totally a Lando moment. Yeah. System that it's made out of system. Yep, totally. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that. Um, back on Lothal, the Jedi Temple is now completely open to anyone, and Darth Vader arrives and enters the temple. My master will be most pleased with this discovery. Lord Vader, the Jedi are growing in their power. It will be their undoing. So cool. It is cool. It felt very violating to me. Like it really yeah. made my skin crawl. Like you're get out of here, you jerk. You're not allowed <laughs> well, to be like, here. Yeah. Again, it's just a force thing. And by contrast, Vader's design, which I still love in Rebels, is so much better than Yoda's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, and that was, well, that was inspired by Ralph McQuarrie. So I guess he should have just done a Ralph McQuarrie design for Yoda. Yeah, we complain yeah. about it, but maybe that's what happens when you don't do Ralph McQuarrie designs. <laughs> and then this is the last guest star. Of course, it's James Earl Jones doing the voice. So it's a star packed episode. Um, I like that he did it too. Yeah, I know. It's just nice. I feel like it shows they must have goodwill. For, the, yeah. for all these things, if they're going to keep good paychecks. Well, yeah, that's true. Good paychecks. It's Disney, my friend. Yeah. They got those Mickey Mouse bucks. <laughs> that funny money. Yeah. <laughs> Does James Earl Jones really need the paycheck, though, at this point in his life? No. I, I don't like know. How much does an iron <laughs> hip cost? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so he tells the fifth brother that his master will be pleased at the discovery of the Jedi Temple. And the fifth brother says the Jedi are growing in their power, but Vader assures them that it will be their undoing. Which and doesn't then, make sense, but cool. Yep. <laughs> just an ominous line that doesn't make sense. But I mean, it's just a jealous. He's basically just jealous. He's like, yeah. your girlfriend's not that pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, really? Yeah. It's like her beauty and wealth and well-being will be her undoing. <laughs> it's not Daisy Buchanan. Come on. <laughs> her great job with perfect work-life work balance will be her undoing. <laughs> All right. But that's kind of where it ends. Did anyone else have any other notes or anything that we skipped over? No. Mm -hmm. I, I got everything I wanted to say. Perfect. Oh, the uh, Inquisitor. Yep. Um, I like that his red tattoos were Ooh. gone. Yeah, that's true. Showing oh. he's back on the light, uh, light side or how Yoda remembers him. Yeah. Pre-jail time. <laughs> yeah. Pre-jail time. 
totally. got no teardrop tears, teardrop mm-hmm. tattoos. Yeah. And I think we talked about that too, because when we saw, I forgot what his race is called or species or whatever it's called, but it, it, no, uh, yeah, you, it begins with you. There's a Udapawian people, but yeah, okay, there it is. The, there's two, whatever. They looked a lot different than the Grand Inquisitor when we see him in Revenge of the Sith. And I, I like that that is because he was corrupted by the dark side. So he yeah. has kind of like that, those cool metal tat face he tattoos. his soul too many times. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Cool. Um, so how we like to end our episodes is with a very silly grading scale where we will tell us our favorite thing in Star Wars right now to our least favorite thing in Star Wars right now, and then make a comparison with this episode. Mike, would you like to show the people how it is done? This just in, my favorite thing in Star Wars (laughs) is when, um, Yoda dies on Dagobah. Cause it's just a poetic moment when the lights go out in swamp. Really nice. Two, mm-hmm. the worst thing is Han Solo got his name from a cheeky Imperial officer. <laughs> Solo. I'm going to give this episode the entire training montage on Dagobah with y- uh, y- Yoda and uh-huh. Luke because I think it's so good. Um, such a growth moment. Um, really kind of indicative of, I don't know, just a good character moment. Man, I think it's just cozy, which is my favorite thing. So I'm going to give this episode a solid A. Oh, that yeah. is nice. Um, yeah, how, about, how about you, Pete? Mine is pretty close, actually. So my my least favorite or my favorite thing right now is the throne room battle in The Last Jedi. More specifically, Ray cutting off someone's head and it flying into a curtain and burning the whole place down because it's a flaming flying head. Mm-hmm. My least favorite thing in Star Wars right now is the hit 1997 jizz song by Sai Snoodles called Jedi Rocks. Um, and between that, I just give this episode like anytime Yoda goes, <laughs> which is just like such an amazing, nostalgic, happy sound for me. Wow. And so I give this episode an A too. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Crystal? So reading from my least, which would be any of Rose's lines on Canto Bite. Mm, yeah. Um, I don't like them. I don't like that part of the movie. <laughs> um, fair, yeah, fair. Uh, to Leia um, saving Han from Jabba's palace. Ooh. To, I would give this a, oh man. I guess we'll do the the coziness of hyperspace. Oh, like a warm, hot chocolate. And I think the way that Leia feels cozy with Han is how I feel whenever Ezra gets to talk to animals. Because <laughs> it's my favorite thing. If you can't tell by the episodes I picked to yeah. uh, hang out with you guys, I would give this an A as well. Perfect. Ooh. Yeah, this is a good one. I really liked it. Yeah. I can't wait for my next animal episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we'll be in touch.
Cool. Um, well, we that is all we have for this episode. Crystal, would you like to tell the people where they can find you, where they can subscribe to the new podcast, and anything else you would like people to check out? Sure. My new podcast is Keep Calm and Game On, and that's the website as well. And you can find it on iTunes. And we release every Monday. And it's a really fun video game podcast with my husband and one of our very good friends. Yeah. And we also have a Patreon. So you can find that at Keep Calm Game On on Patreon if you want to give us uh, your money. <laughs> and uh, my social media is The Crystal Beth. And as always, thank you so much for having me on, guys. I love being able to talk about Star Wars. Yeah, no, thank you. We, I, I really, really like the new, new podcast. And I'm excited for more episodes. Everyone should check it out. While we're at it, Mike, what else should people check out? Um, let's see. What can we check out? Uh, Rebels, <laughs> Rebels Pod. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We have the Gmail. Um, and leave us a review on iTunes. Um, it only accepts five stars. It's a weird new thing. <laughs> um, but if you leave us a review, we'll read it out on a bonus episode. Leave us your grading scale. We'd love yep. to hear it. Yep. And uh, until next time. Remember to be brave and don't look back. Don't look back. Bye. Bye.